guys jumping right in today talking about what is the unpardonable sin. I've actually been looking forward to this segment on what's the word. Uh, like, subscribe, share the broadcast, hit the bell, and uh, get notifications when we go live. Uh, you know, this is a question uh, that a lot of people have, and this is a question that a lot of people are confused on. Uh, at one point, there was actually uh, a something that was said by a person in a mental institution, they said 90% of the people in here have a problem with this question and that's why they're here because they think that they have committed the unpardonable sin and, the, and basically what we know from spiritual things is the devil has added so much condemnation to him it drove him crazy. So my answer in this question, it actually will help many people and a large portion of people in the church have con, uh, come under condemnation because of this question because they don't know what it is exactly. So that's what we're going to look at today. And uh, I want us to jump right to Mark chapter 3, verse 23. 2 through 30. And so we're talking about today, what is the unpardonable sin? Go ahead and share it. There's somebody that you know that you may or may not know of this, but they need to know this. And, and they're asking this question, but they might not have shared it with you yet. Just share it and they'll see it and they'll be able to get that question answered. Yesterday we talked about uh, can we lose our salvation? That's a huge question. If you haven't seen that, go back, watch that. Go watch Can You Lose Your Salvation. That, that'll help a lot of people share that one as well. Today, what is the unpardonable sin? What is blasphemy of the Holy Ghost? What is what the Bible calls the sin unto death? And uh, I'll just say that death, as defined here, is not a physical death, it's a spiritual death, an eternal separation from God. What is that sin unto death? Let's look at this, Mark chapter 3, verse 22. And, and I want you to see this. The scribes who, what we know about this is that the scribes are an educated uh, piece of society. Uh, they have education, they know the scriptures, uh, they have uh, at least some maturity in the scriptures, and that's important uh, to what we're looking at. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he, talking about Jesus, uh, is possessed by Beelzebub, and he cast out the demons by the ruler of the demons, by the ruler of the demons. So he's, they were saying, Jesus has a demon, and he cast out devils, and hear this, by the ruler of the demons. Or in other words, he cast them out by uh, the devil. And in other words, by demonic power. Verse 23, and he called them to himself and began speaking to them in parables. Jesus called them. He said, how can Satan cast out Satan? He said, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. If Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he is finished. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Now, what he's saying here, and I want you to notice something. See, he was correcting the scribes, but I want you to see something else. He didn't just correct them, he educated them. 
Okay? And, and he called them. He called the ones that were saying this to himself. One of the things that we see about God is even when somebody is an enemy of God, right, the Lord still wants to help them unless they have completely gone off the cliff and made themselves what I would say an eternal enemy of God. They'll never accept him. They're hurting and harming everybody. But Romans chapter 5 and verse 10 says that even when we were enemies before we knew him, when we were enemies, that's when Christ died for us. Here you see scribes that really are, are enemies of God, but Jesus is giving them a mercy. So what I believe here is I believe that these scribes actually, they had a chance to become Christians, and we know that some Pharisees, uh, actually some of the leaders of the religious world at that time, we know that some of them became uh, Christians. We look at uh, Nicodemus and we look at uh, the Apostle Paul who was Saul. He was a Pharisee that actually accepted Christ. So we know that all of these that were standing against and even harming and murdering Christians eventually came, especially the Apostle Paul, eventually came to know Jesus. So although they were enemies for a period of time, they weren't eternal enemies. And what you're seeing here is that Jesus is helping to try and educate. Now, why would he try and educate them? You know, now, here's one thing that we see. When somebody becomes an eternal enemy of God, they are given up for lost. There's no prayer for them. There's no help for them. And you actually see uh, that the hand of the Lord is, is taken off from protection off of that person. And the hand of the Lord comes against those enemies because they're hurting other people. Like in Acts chapter 13 with Elimus the magician, you see that he uh, is blind because he was trying to keep that governor from coming to know Jesus. And uh, so you see Ananias and Sapphira, that they moved into dangerous territory. They died just like that. So when somebody moves to a place, I'm not saying that Ananias and Sapphira were complete enemies of God, but they moved into an area where they came against God's holiness, and you don't want to be there. Uh, and that's New Testament stuff. That's not just Old Testament. You don't want to play games with what God is up to, and especially what Jesus is about to talk about right here. And, he, and what I want you to see about the scribes is, because this is important, Jesus didn't just shun them. He actually drew them and taught them, and he showed them, you are on perilous ground. You, you, are, on, you are close to an area you don't want to be in. And let me show you this. He says, verse 28, Truly I say to you, all sins shall be forgiven of the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter, they'll be forgiven. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. Never. These are strong absolutes that Jesus is uttering. He says, but when they blaspheme about against the Holy Spirit, they don't have forgiveness, but they're guilty of an eternal sin, and watch this, because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. In other words, they were saying, and watch this, they were saying that the spirit that Jesus had was unclean. That was what they were saying. And this is a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And, and I wrote it out like this. When you call the Holy Spirit and his works unholy, when you are mature enough to know the difference, that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. When you call the Holy Spirit and his works 
unholy when you're mature enough to know the difference. Now, these scribes were mature enough to know the scripture, and I want you to see something. What we see here when you back up is he said, they were saying that he's possessed, he has an unclean spirit when he, has, when he had the Holy Spirit, and he cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. In other words, the power that he is invoking is an unclean power. He has an unclean spirit and he's using an unclean power. Both of those things we know was the Holy Spirit and both of those things we know uh, he was, we know that he was moving and casting out by the power, the same power that we would cast out a devil by the Holy Spirit. So here, here what he's saying is, hey, scribes, you are on dangerous ground. Now, I'm, go I'm going to show you some more about this. He's saying for their sake and for maybe the people's sake that might be listening, you're on dangerous ground and you do not want to be in this area again. If you actually had all the maturity that you needed and you said the Holy Spirit was unclean, that would be a blasphemy that can never be forgiven. And he said, and if you say that the work I'm doing is by an unclean spirit, when you know that it's the Holy Spirit, that is, that is on, that's a blasphemy. That's a sin unto death. It cannot be forgiven. It will never be forgiven. And, and he was trying to tell him, look, you are in dangerous ground. So don't take this lightly. It's not a joke. It's, it's something that's very, very important. Now, so this blasphemy, now, that's going to become important to us as believers because I don't really know anybody who has known, I, I don't know anybody in my life that I've ever seen uh, that has known it was the Holy Ghost, they, that has known it was the Holy Ghost and then called it evil. I don't know anybody that's done that. However, I've seen people get close. Hello, Pastor Patrick from Gabon. I love you. It's so good to see you. And uh, so I don't know anybody personally that's done that, but I can tell you I've watched many people walk on perilous ground, and they need to be very mindful of that. And even when people make fun of the Holy Spirit, you know, there was a video a few years ago. And uh, so... Yeah, but he says this, so if people condemn the works of the Holy Spirit out of ignorance, it's different. That is different because it's out of ignorance, but it's in the direction. See, the issue is they can set up a precedent in their life where they're actually saying anything that goes on like this is not God, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's demons. And then if they get to the place where they actually find out that it is God, or they receive uh, um, discernment that this is actually the Holy Spirit. They've already set the precedent for what they said. If pride then at that moment causes them to go ahead and say this is unholy when it's the Holy Spirit, that's the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. So this, it's, in other words, it is dangerous ground in that way. So, but if it's out of ignorance, then that's, you got to know what you're talking about. We're going to see something about this as we go further into this. But knowing that, calling what's holy, unholy, calling the Holy Spirit unholy, specifically the Spirit, 
calling that. He says, look, Jesus said, you can talk about me. Don't talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Don't talk about the Holy Spirit. That, that is dangerous ground. There's something there that's very, very dangerous. And it's important that we are, that we recognize this and we know this. And that's why we're talking about this today. Many people have said things ignorantly, but let's not play around with it. So one of the things, that's, yeah, one of the things I was going to say, thank you, Kevin. He said he once made fun of Pastor Benny Hinn. He said he, he repented when he was educated. Yeah, I know. You know, there may be some things that look silly to you, and there may be acts that are not of the Holy Ghost, but of men where they've gotten in the soulless realm and done things wrong. I don't know anybody that hasn't done that along the time. But you have to be mindful. There's a lot that we don't know that the Holy Spirit was actually in. There's a lot because God's so big. And so don't just rush to judgment. That, that's the thing. Don't rush to judgment on things that you don't understand. Find somebody who does understand. Ask that person. You know, one time, I tell this story often, one time um, we were in a service and I started praying in the Spirit and somebody was there that literally got up and grabbed their stuff and ran out of the service. Instead of humbling themselves, and I don't mind if they left the service, but what they should have done was called back and said, why did you do that? I don't understand that. I've been taught that it's wrong. That's why I left. But see, that kind of humility is almost unheard of in our society. But here's what they missed. When they left that service, there were two miracles that happened in that service that day, and they missed both of them. There was the proof that this was God Right at, right at the end of that service, and they missed both of them. They missed growing up in the Lord and experiencing God on that level and then being able to carry the fruit of miracles in their own life because of a lack of humility. So one of the things that we want to do, I saw this, Kevin Nowicki said this about Benny Hinn. There was a video out, and, and I mean, it's kind of funny. Uh, in a, I can get why it's humorous, but there was a hard rock song talking about when the bodies hit the floor. And uh, they were almost making fun, well, not almost, they were making fun of Holy Spirit preachers when they would pray over people and people would fall out and they put a lot of clips to that music. And see, that kind of stuff, you're on dangerous ground. It's like, I, I mean, when I saw it, I, I laughed, but I was also like in my spirit nervous about it. Like, I don't want to play in this area. This is not an area I want to play in. This is, you know, yeah, and I'm, I mean, I understand why it's funny. Like I even, you know, my flesh even smiled over it. But my spirit was like, no, nah, this is not really an area I want to be in. And that's where we need to be wise about it. But let's look at who can, who can actually blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Who can't? What, what is it exactly? How does it happen? And how can we avoid it? What is this unpardonable sin and blasphemy of the Holy Ghost? So I'll give you again. Calling the Holy Spirit and His works unholy when you are mature enough to know the difference. All right, now, can we commit an unforgivable sin? I know we looked at this yesterday, but let's look at it again. 1 John chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, not leading death. He shall ask, and God will give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. Watch this. So there's sin not leading to death. Then there is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request of this. 
In other words, he shouldn't pray for the person who has sinned unto death. So now we have the Holy Ghost actually saying here through, through John, there is a sin that will lead to eternal death. There is a sin that will lead to eternal death. He says, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. And we know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. In other words, while that person is in sins not leading to death, God doesn't hold him accountable for those sins. He's removing those transgressions, but he actually stays in fellowship as he repents in 1 John 1, 9. Now, one of the things, he's kept from the evil one, right? But if that person makes a sin unto death, it's a different situation. It's a different scenario. Yesterday, if you didn't see it, you can go back and look at that. We looked at actually, uh, you know, what can I lose my salvation? We looked at how Jesus prayed that we would be kept, and yet we know that not everybody's kept because they don't walk in it. This is a similar situation. They have the keeping and the protection of the Lord, but not everybody walks in that because of their lack of knowledge or lack of faith. But what I want to focus on is there's a sin to death and there's a sin not unto death. The Bible lays both of those out. That's what we're talking about today. An unpardonable sin or the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Let's go on. Those notes are for y'all. So, Matthew 24, uh, verse 10 and 13. Look at this. This is Jesus saying, At that time, many will fall away. Many will fall away. This is Jesus prophesying, who didn't miss a prophecy. At that time, many will fall away, talking about the last days, and will betray one another and hate one another. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. In other words, many are going to fall away and not be saved. That's the context of the passage. You know, the question we're answering is, can we commit an unforgivable sin? He said many will turn away, and the context is, and will not be saved. Now, how do we can keep our salvation, and how do, we, how do we not commit that? We endure in our faith, right? We endure in our faith and our trust of Jesus Christ. Let's go on. John chapter 8. Hey, Debbie Dunphy, good to see you. Uh, John eight thirty one. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. If you continue in my word, if you continue, right? If you continue. One of the things that we see is there's a big if. We need to endure. We need to continue. Some people will believe on Jesus. Just hear it this way. Some people will believe on Jesus, but they won't endure. Barrett, send that out to the line, please. Many people will, will not continue in the word. He says many will fall away. And so what you see is that if we continue, if we believe on Jesus and we endure and we continue, then we are his disciples. Mark chapter 10 and verse 9. A lot of people utilize this as a thing that we cannot lose our salvation. It says uh, they are talking about marriage. 
What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Now the context of that is marriage. In other words, God's saying that I joined marriage together. But what he's doing is he's giving us a command, don't let things come in the way of this marriage. I've joined it together, and if I've joined it together, you don't let other things in your flesh come in the way and separate it. Now, but what they'll say is they'll say what God has joined together, he joined me with Jesus and uh, let no man separate it that I can never lose it. Well, if that was the case, then you would have people that were joined together in marriage, they'd never ever get separated because God would, would keep them in that as well. The reason he gave us this scripture is not to show us a promise that it would never be broken, but to show us a command that we should not allow it to be broken. Otherwise, you would have everybody that was originally married would never have gotten a divorce, but they have. You'll have many, if, otherwise, if that was the case, you'd have many people that came to Jesus, but no one would fall away. But we see from Scripture that that's not the case. So I wrote this. That, Mark 10, 9, is a command to uphold the covenant, to endure in the covenant, not a promise that it will never happen. It's a command to endure. Look at 1 Timothy 4, 1. Again, we're answering the question, can we, uh, can we actually have a sin? Can we have a sin that will be unpardonable? 1 Timothy 4.1. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the very one we're talking about, not, you know, not blaspheming, blaspheming against, but the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith. That's about as clear as you can get. The Spirit explicitly says in later times, some will fall away from the faith. Paying attention, how does it happen? They pay attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And doctrines of demons. Now, let's look at Luke 12:10. He says, And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. It will not be forgiven him. So now the next question is, where does this sin come in, right? Where does this sin come in? Well, what happens is when we believe on God, we are relieved. When we believe, we are relieved from judgment. We see that in John 3, 16 through 18. Whoever believes on him will not perish. But verse 17, we might be saved by him. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not judged. In other words, when we believe on Jesus, it takes away the judgment. We have received the forgiveness of all of our sin, and we receive that salvation and we receive a forgiveness and a removal, a complete removal of the sin that's in our lives. Watch what, what Jesus does when the disciples, once he's died on the cross, he goes into the grave, the power of the Holy Ghost, and that's important, the Holy Ghost brought him back to life. In other words, his new life came by what power? We see it in Romans 8, the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost does that. I believe it's uh, Romans 8, 11. You see that if this Holy Spirit, this Spirit raised him from the dead, it was a working of the Holy Ghost that brought him to life. Okay? So now, if we were going to uh, do something that would reverse that working, 
we would call that work unholy in a sense. So keep that in mind. But when he had been raised again from the dead, he meets his disciples and he breathes on them. And when he does, they receive a newness of life in their full spirit, man. And here's what he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, now, he doesn't, he doesn't baptize them in the Holy Ghost. That comes later in Acts chapter 2. But they receive something, and we're going to see it in these two verses right here, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. He says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, verse 22, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. So it's not a baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's in our hearts, in our inner man. He gave us in our inner man that spirit which brought us to new life. So the power that brought up Jesus from the dead also brings us from death unto life. We are raised with him, and it's all the work of the spirit. Put this, put this in the comments. Our salvation is a work and a seal of the Holy Spirit. Our salvation is a work and a seal of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view uh, to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. So what do we see? When we get born again, it's a work of the Spirit. And then literally, God seals us and stamps us with a holy pledge. In other words, it's like when they used to seal up envelopes and letters, and they would melt the wax on there. And then all of a sudden, which is in a a form of oil, by the way, which the Holy Spirit is representative of. And uh, it would be a form of oil, and God would put his own nature and stamp it and say, this is me, or this person is now holy. This person that's born again is holy. They are stamped and sealed with me. Well, that's very important. A work of the Spirit, a sealing of the Holy Spirit. Where does sin come in? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit or the unpardonable sin is the breaking of that seal by willingly rejecting Jesus. Okay, When we willingly reject Jesus, this is a form of the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. And it is when we break that seal. But here's the issue. Just not everybody can commit that sin. And so the next question that we're going to look at is, do I qualify to commit this sin? Do I qualify? Because not everybody qualifies. Matter of fact, the majority, I would say in my opinion, the majority of the people in the church don't qualify. You know, the scribes that Jesus was talking to, it appears that they didn't qualify, although they were close. See, they knew more than most people about Scripture, so they had some maturity there, and they were close to that place. But here, God actually lays out five prerequisites, and we're going to put these in the comments and put them in the description, 
Uh, God actually lines out five prerequisites for someone. And if this person, if someone has not done all five of these things or is not walking in all five of these things, they don't have anything to worry about, right? They don't have anything to worry about about committing this. So here's what I'm getting at before we even jump into that. Most people who are concerned, have I actually committed the unpardonable sin, don't even qualify. They don't even qualify. So the devil has them fearing something that they don't even qualify for. Now, all of us actually should qualify for that. And when we come to this knowledge and revelation, it's not something that we should reverse. But we don't have to fear it. All we have to do is turn our heart towards the Lord. He'll help us and empower us to never blaspheme the Holy Ghost. We walk by the Spirit. We never will blaspheme the Holy Spirit. But... If we turn to the place of flesh, that's how you can get there, and you keep going down that road. We'll talk about that at the end. Let's answer this question right now. Do I qualify to commit the unpardonable sin? The key for this is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. So if you understand Hebrews and the book of the Hebrews, you had many people that were Jews, and they were in the, the Jewish faith of Judaism. And then they got born again and became Christians. Well, many of them started returning to some of their old habits in Judaism and started returning to that and saying that we still have to uphold these pieces of the law. Well, we know from the full counsel of the word that if you can't uphold 100% of the law, you're guilty of all. And so they were saying, in order to be saved, I have to uphold pieces of it. Now, that's a very generalization of what was going on. But you had some people turning from Christian practices back to law practices, back to some Jewish practices. And and Paul was given, or, well, Hebrews some people think it's Paul. And, uh, but what you see is that the writer of Hebrews is saying that, hey, you don't need to do this. You don't need to turn back to this. And he said, actually, if you turn back to this and you are denying what Jesus did for you, that's dangerous ground. So he starts describing what that dangerous ground is. And here in these verses, he gives us the prerequisites of somebody who could deny Jesus and actually commit an unpardonable sin. It's right here. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened, that's one, and we'll get to the details of this, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, two, and three, have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and four, have tasted the good word of God, and five, they've tasted of the powers of the age to come, and then they fall away, it's impossible to renew them again. So right here in this verse, we see people can fall away. And if they fall away after doing these five prerequisites, it's impossible to renew them again. It's impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. 
So those five prerequisites, in other words, what they do is they literally shame Jesus again. And what we'll find out by another passage is they actually blaspheme the Holy Ghost and they actually commit the sin that's unpardonable, the unforgivable sin, the sin which is to death. And so let's look at those five prerequisites right now. The first one is that, in other words, in order for somebody to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, in order to fall away, they have to have done all five of these things. And the first thing is they have to be enlightened to the need of a Savior. In other words, you can see that they had the gospel preached to them and they had a moment where they realized, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Now, let me, let me just give this to you. If somebody has never received Christ and they pass away, if they've never received Christ and they pass away, then what they've done in John chapter 3, verse 16, 17, and 18, we see they are already under a judgment. They had, they had Christ to receive, and they didn't receive him. It was free. Every person has everything that they need because Romans tells us that every person, Romans 12, every person has received the measure of faith and faith and a commitment of the heart, a belief in their heart. Everybody has a heart to believe with. Everybody has the measure of faith. They have everything they need, no matter where they grow up, no, no matter poor or rich, you know, what color their skin is, no matter what, what uh, nation of the earth, they are already walking in a judgment, and they have what they need to receive Christ, and they can look in nature and see the, the beauty of God. Romans chapter 1 shows us that it is clearly seen, and they're already having judgment. Now, here's the thing. All of us have been born into sin, and then we have all sinned, and we're all guilty of that. But that's why God, praise the Lord, God gave us something to save us from that, and he's not holding, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's not holding the sin of the world against us. He's not holding, holding that sin against us. He just says, you must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior by faith in your heart and confess him as Lord in your mouth. By faith, believe this Romans 10, 9 and 10. Somebody please put that in the comments. So Romans 10, 9 and 10, he says, if you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth, is the context, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So praise the Lord. God's made this free to us. He's given it to us. Everybody can receive it. But listen, if they don't receive Jesus, who Jesus said, I am the door, no one comes to the Father but by me, they are already in judgment. Okay, so in other words, they have the same end as somebody who blasphemes, basically. They're still going to have an eternal judgment in hell. And God doesn't want that for anybody, which is why he sent his son. But if somebody, what we're talking about is believers that, uh, that actually blaspheme the Holy Ghost after a certain set of prerequisites. I'm not talking about unbelievers. They're already in judgment. I'm talking about believers who are now free from the judgment. Can they go back to a place where they have a sin now that can't be forgiven? And the answer is yes, we've seen that. Here's the prerequisites. First one, that they have been enlightened to their need of a Savior. The gospel was preached, Romans 10, 14, they, they had a moment like the prodigal son did where he came to himself. That's in Luke 15, 17. And then from Hebrews 6, 4, they were enlightened 
to their need of a Savior. That doesn't mean that they're born again yet. Now, we're talking about Christians, but this is just saying they were enlightened. They had this moment where they know, I need Jesus by the preaching of the Word. Second prerequisite in order to be guilty of blaspheming the Holy Ghost, you have to have all five of these. It says they've received the heavenly gift of Jesus. This means they believed on Jesus as their Savior, and we know from Scripture they were sealed by the Holy Ghost. So the working of the power of the Holy Ghost was there to, to raise them up from death to life. And we know that from Scripture they were sealed with the Holy Ghost when they received the heavenly gift of Jesus. The heavenly gift is shown in John 3.16. You can also see John 20.22, 2 Corinthians 1.21 and 22, and Ephesians 1.13 and 14. These are all references to the sealing uh, and the heavenly gift. Okay. Now, the third prerequisite is that they have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's where it says there, it says that they have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, or the word partakers can be uh, translated as partners with the Holy Spirit. We see that uh, Jesus is the one that will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire in Luke 3.16. In Acts 1, 4 through 8, he says, wait for the promise of the Father. The, the promise is poured out in Acts chapter 2. And then in Ephesians 5.18, he actually commands us to be filled with the Spirit. That means to be overflowed with the Holy Spirit of God. So the first three prerequisites are they have had an enlightened moment where they know they need Jesus. Two, they've received Jesus and been sealed by the Holy Ghost. Three, they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, I can tell you the majority of the American church uh, has probably not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe there's more than what I'm thinking, but it's not 100%. So if they've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then they don't qualify to make this, uh, to make that sin. And that's what that scripture tells us. Now, does that mean that, well, I shouldn't get baptized in the Holy Spirit so that I never make that mistake? No. Because then you would actually be sinning to do that. The Lord told us to be baptized. It's not because we have to fear the blasphemy. We don't have to fear the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What we have to fear is God Almighty, right? The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or an extreme reverence of God. See, what gets people to the blasphemy is they drop their reverence for God after they've done these things. So let's look at the next couple of actually being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Man, that's why the devil fights it so much because it's such a weapon against a kingdom of darkness. And that's why God commands us to, to have it is because it's such a weapon against the kingdom of darkness. And it empowers us to live where we can live uh, where the Lord wants us to like Jesus. All right. The fourth prerequisite is, it says it like this in the scripture. It says, tasted the good word of God. This is, they, the fourth prerequisite is that this believer has been enlightened to the need of a Savior. He's been born again. He's been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he's now mature in the word. This immediately eliminates all baby Christians. All baby Christians. They can't be baby Christians. Uh, if they were baby Christians and immature, they wouldn't fully understand what they were doing. 
they have to have, have received supernatural revelation from the Word, not milk. They're on the meat of the Word. They're on the solid food of the Word. They're not on the milk of the Word anymore. And some scriptures to back this up is 1 Peter 2 and verse 2, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, 1 and 2, and Hebrews 5, verse 12 through 14, uh, which is uh, what we'll look at in, in a little bit. Oh, no, excuse me. So it's talking about solid food there. We won't look at that today. So they must be mature. You can't have a baby Christian. you know. And In other words, so now you just, the truth be told, most of the American church, I can tell you from experience, they're not operating in the fullness of the word. If they were, you would see more fruit. <laughs> if they were operating in the meat of the word, they'd be walking in a heavenly glory. You'd be seeing Mark 16 everywhere, which we should be seeing, but you'd see them laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. In other words, they, they are operating at a different level because they have a different level of revelation. The truth is many are immature. In this word, I think it's in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul's basically telling the whole church at Corinth, maybe minus the elders, you know, if we're just, if we're speculating, but he's basically telling the whole church, church, you're all baby Christians. I can't give you the, the meat of the word because you're on the milk of the word. In other words, that whole church didn't even qualify to blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Well, that, and that should give some people some confidence because they, they realize, oh man, well I haven't really walked in all of this yet. And the devil's been trying to keep you in a place of, did I, did I blaspheme the Holy Ghost? All right, let that condemnation drop off of you. If you have, if you've blasphemed the Holy Ghost, here's the thing, it won't be a question. You'll know that you did it. You'll know that you did it. If you've committed the unpardonable sin, you will know what you did and you won't care about it. If you got to question, did I do it, then you didn't do it because you've got to know what you're doing and you've got to know I'm making that choice. That's why God set up these prerequisites so there wouldn't be a sin that somebody would just fall into by accident or under force or under temptation. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Here's the fifth prerequisite that they have operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, looking at that, it says, they've tasted of the good word of God, which is the meat of the word, or tasted of the power of the ages to come. The power of the ages to come. That's They're operating in Holy Spirit power. They're healing the sick. They're raising the dead. They're casting out devils. They're, they're uh, utilizing a word of prophecy. Yeah, in other words, they're operating in the gifts of the Spirit found in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 through 10. They're operating in these gifts. They're utilizing them. They've tasted of the powers to come. Uh, Brother Hagin, I want to put up a, a link, and we'll put this in the description as well. They're, they're on top of it. Uh, this is The Triumphant Church by Kenneth Hagin. This is a great book. He has a section that talks about this. You'll see these things laid out in there again. In that book, here's something that he says. If you haven't read that book, it is a tremendous book at the end of a, of a ministry. It's at the last 10, you know, 10 to 13 years of a ministry that went for 
50 or 60, 70 years and was very, very successful. And this book is almost like a compilation of all the, the wisdom that God had poured out. It's a tremendous book. I highly recommend it. We just finished it in Impact University here, and uh, it was awesome. Here's what he said about this. You can readily see that very few believers could qualify to be guilty of committing this sin or this unpardonable sin. You can see that most believers don't won't qualify because they've not had the they've not met those five prerequisites. Now the truth is every believer should qualify, but they just don't because uh, we haven't gone after the Lord to the fullness. We should be tasting of all five of these prerequisites. But in that case, we don't have to worry about blaspheming as long as we esteem the Lord and as long as we go after him. We're not going to make that choice as long as we esteem the Lord. It's people that say, I don't want to esteem them anymore. They're the people, and I know what I'm doing. That's the people that are in danger. Let's look here as we start to wrap up. Is Can I just commit the unpardonable sin and blaspheme the Holy Ghost, commit a sin unto eternal death by accident? or under pressure, or under temptation. 1 Timothy 1.13 says, Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. See, if God showed him mercy because of that ignorance, then he has to show mercy to other people as well because of ignorance. Now, we shouldn't stay ignorant. That's why, you're, that's why you're listening today. That's why I'm teaching it today. We're not called to stay ignorant. But we need to move to a place where we understand what we're doing and on purpose we make choices. Lord, I love you and I will not uh, disrespect you and I will not call what you're doing unholy. But you can see that when we act ignorantly and in unbelief that God is merciful. God is so merciful to us. He set up so many ways to save us. He's looking for ways to save us. And, and you don't have to worry about accidentally falling into a pit and all of a sudden, oh, you messed up, zap. You know, <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. God is so merciful. He's seen all of that stuff. He's foreseen all of that stuff and he's made ways to be a blessing to us. It's when we, with all of our heart, make choices against him that we mess up, okay? Hebrews, look at this, Hebrews 10, 26 through 29. And um, he says, for if, and, and hear this word, if we go on sinning, now this is going to give us a clue to how to stop the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost from happening in our life. If we go on sinning willfully, and I'll write it like this, or with deliberate forethought. In other words, we know what we're doing, we're thinking about it, and we're still deciding to do it. If we go on sinning willfully, willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, after we have fulfilled those prerequisites, after we have walked in a maturity of the meat of the word, the powers filled with, after we've done what was said back, uh, back in uh, Hebrews, back in Hebrews chapter 6, if we keep on doing that, he says, then, then there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now, and then when we go on to the last verse here in verse 29, we're going to see how it specifically ties into, ties into that. All right, so then it says, verse 27, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and a fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries 
In other words, we should, we should fear blaspheming the Holy Ghost. We should fear going on and sinning willfully. You know, we're not talking about you're in an emotional turmoil, you're under pressure. We're not talking about somebody who's mentally unstable. We're not talking about that. We're talking about somebody who willfully knows what they're doing, has spiritual knowledge, spiritual meat, they're operating in it, and they keep on with deliberate forethought. All of that you can see in that one verse. But then he says, look, we need to understand we're talking about some real, uh, some real punishment here that is eternal. You don't want anything to deal with. And he says, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. In other words, they had the law of Moses and they just set it aside and said, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't, have to, I don't have to do that. He says, how much more severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? How much more severe punishment? In other words, if, the, if they get punished just for ignoring Moses, how much more for knowing willfully and after knowledge, knowing that they're trampling on Jesus. This now, right now we're seeing the severity of this decision where there's no more, there's no more sacrifice for sins. It's unpardonable. And I want you to see, here's some more that are kind of like prerequisites of where a person's heart gets when they blaspheme the Holy Ghost or they commit this sin unto death. It says, who is, they've trampled underfoot the Son of God. They have regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, or let me put it in today's terms, by which he was made holy. In other words, they've said the blood of the covenant is not worth being holy. It's not holy. That's what they're saying and believing in their heart and making a choice. And they have insulted the spirit of grace. What have they done? They blasphemed the Holy Spirit. So the sin that has no more sacrifice is not somebody who just finds themselves in sin, but they're not trying to. This is somebody who knows they go on sinning with deliberate thought, and they completely break the seal of the Holy Ghost in their life. Now we're going to come back to that in a second at the end. And I want, I want you to say this. And uh, so when somebody actually does commit this sin, I'm going to complete this thought in a, in a second, but, but kind of as a side note, when somebody come to answer the question, have you done it? Have you, have you blasphemed the Holy Ghost? Have you committed the unpardonable sin? What does it look like when somebody actually has done this? We get a few, a, a few ideas from Scripture. The first one is this, Romans 1, 28 and 29. It literally says that God gives them over to a reprobate mind in the King James or a depraved mind. In other words, He lets them go to a place where they are completely depraved. And then one of the things, it goes on to list a lot of bad things. I'll just give you the first two. It says they're filled with all unrighteousness. In other words, they have nothing but unrighteousness coming out of them and wickedness. They're filled with all unrighteousness and they're filled with wickedness. Okay, There's nothing left good in them. And here's the other thing, 1 John 4, uh, 8 and 9, the one who does not love 
does not know God. In other words, when this has happened, they don't know God anymore. They don't have any love. They don't have the capacity for love. They don't have the capacity for righteousness. They don't have the capacity for holiness. He says, by this the love of God was manifested in us that we had His Son. In other words, there's no capacity, there's no care there's no righteousness. There's nothing left like that. So when you have somebody that actually says, I, I just, I think I committed the unpardonable sin, the fact that they care about that shows that they haven't. The fact that they are even concerned about it, they even care what God thinks about it, shows that they haven't committed that sin. See, that is, is showing us from Scripture they haven't done that. Now, when, watch this, and, and this is important, what does it look like? John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And he says, and the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. So see, if somebody actually committed the unpardonable sin and then had a desire, oh no, I want to get it back. And they came to Jesus and said, please take me back. I've committed the unpardonable sin. I ask you to forgive me. And, and I, I blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Please forgive me. This verse tells us that if they come to him, he will not cast them out. So in other words, what, what that's telling us is this. He's never going to have anybody that blasphemes the Holy Ghost that's going to come back to him. Because if he did, he'd have to receive them in this way. They're going to be so far gone, they don't want to come back. They don't want anything to do with God. They don't have anything. Now, I'm not talking about people that never knew God. I've watched, I've watched people that never have known Jesus to say, I don't want anything to do with God. They've never received and tasted of the heavenly gift. They don't qualify. I'm not talking about them. I've watched many people say that over the years, and all of a sudden, a few years down the road, they get radically born again. God receives them. I'm not, that's not the blasphemy that can't be forgiven. The blasphemy that can't be forgiven is somebody who's tasted of it and willfully goes on and says, goes on in that sin and willfully says, I don't want them anymore. I'm done. I'm going back away. From, I'm breaking the seal, and basically I'm rejecting and denying Christ. That's the person that has blasphemed in that way. Now, five questions to determine if someone has committed the unpardonable sin. First question, have you experienced those five prerequisites that we talked about? Have you experienced those five prerequisites uh, one, you've been enlightened to your need of a Savior, and, and you recognize, I need Jesus. Two, you received Jesus and were sealed by the Holy Ghost. Three, ha have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost, complete baptism? Four, are you mature in the Word? And, and a lot of people think they're mature in the Word, but the truth is they're just babies. Remember, Paul said the whole church at Corinth was babies. You know, a lot of people, they don't realize that they're not walking in it. If they did walk in it, they, their life would look different. And five, uh, they, operate, they operate in the gifts of the Spirit. If they haven't completed those five prerequisites, they don't qualify. All right, first question, have you experienced the five prerequisites uh, to commit and blaspheme the Holy Ghost and commit the unpardonable sin? Second one, according to this verse that we just read, where it talks about this uh, in, in Hebrews 10, 29, have you willfully 
and completely denied Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You knew what you were doing, you wanted to, and you did it. See, they've got to do all they've got to do all of these things. Have you willfully denied and rejected him after you had completed those five prerequisites? Right? And and here's the other thing. Three, have you trampled underfoot the Son of God? Believe that he, you know, for example, believe that he wasn't born of a virgin, that he's not holy. You said he's just a man, right? He's just a man. Because this is what that verse is actually saying when you dig into it. Four, have you despised the blood of the lamb? Have you despised it? Have you considered his blood unclean or unholy? Or have you willingly, knowing what you're doing, not under pressure, not under temptation, but willingly said, I don't want it anymore, you discarded it? Or five, have you insulted or blasphemed the spirit of grace thereby breaking the seal of your salvation. Have you done any of those things? And if you haven't done the first one, those five prerequisites, then you don't even qualify for the rest of the questions. But if you did qualify for the first one, do you, have you done this? Have you made a willing decision and you know what you're doing, but you wanted to do it? If you haven't done that, every person that's ever asked me that question, they, they care. They, don't, they want to go after God. They don't want to go to hell. They care about it. And they've none of them have ever done this. Nobody that's ever asked me that question has ever done any of this. So the devil's utilizing this as a fear tactic to bind up the people of God and get them to the place where some of them have even gone crazy because they didn't have knowledge of these things that were in the Word. There was confusion on it. All right? It, I said this. If you haven't done these things, then that verse doesn't apply to you. You've not committed that, that sin. Brother Hagin said this also in that book, The Triumphant Church. He said, you need to realize that there's a vast difference. Please hear this, okay? Hear, hear what I'm about to say. Put your pen down. You know, these guys, uh, we may have somebody here, they'll put it in a comment or two comments, but hear what I'm about to say. You need to realize that there is a vast difference between believers who desire to walk with God but occasionally stumble and fall and yet they don't intend to. And those believers who just willfully and deliberately persist in wrongdoing and intentionally turn away from God and deny Him. Big difference between those two different uh, groups of people. Huge difference. You know, I, I don't know anybody who hasn't stumbled and fa fallen into sin at some point. But I don't know, I don't know anybody that has, hasn't done that. Right? I don't know anybody that hasn't done that. But I've never seen anybody say, I don't want Jesus anymore. And they knew what they were doing and they qualified to make that decision. I've never seen that. All right, now, how to avoid the unpardonable sin. Look, it's easy. <laughs> I want to give you something. This may sound like it's contradictory. It's easy to start down the path of the unpardonable sin. But it's also easy to change direction and get off that path. It's easy both ways. All right, let's look at this. It's easy to get in that path. Let's look at this with some severity and understand how easy it is. Uh, Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 15 says this, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. The foxes spoil, the little foxes spoil the vines. A lot of people don't realize that it's not, you know, uh, falling into adultery 
alone that gets you to the place where you would blaspheme the Holy Ghost. No, it doesn't start there. It starts with a thought that's not checked. It, it starts with little foxes. It starts with small things. The path starts easy towards blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. That's why we all need to be very sober about it and not play games with it. The path is easy. One small fox, one small sin, and then all of a sudden, that imagine this is going towards God, and imagine one small sin. Now, the person going after God, would they ever deny God? Would they ever go 180 degrees? Would they ever do that from this position? No, they would never do that. How would they do that? Well, one small sin, and all of a sudden you're a little bit, a few degrees off of where you should be. Well, now you do you know, one more, and then 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 all of a sudden you are not so far from 180 degrees from where you were. One little sin, little fox, leads to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And I want you to see something. The difference here from where you were going after God to committing that first small sin was only a small percentage of degree. When you get over here and you've not corrected that course anywhere, on the whole path, you've not corrected that course, when you get here, that degree is also small. And although it's 180 degrees from where you have been going, from where you are at the present because you've not corrected course, it's not a small, it's still a small decision. And so it doesn't look as big to you. Whereas here, it's, it's such a contrast from where you began, you would never make that decision. But when you allow sin to change your direction, one small sin, one small fox at a time, you get to the place where it's not that big of a contrast from where you are now. Let me just do one more step in that direction. And that's how somebody gets to the place that they make a willing decision. I don't want it anymore. They allow that sin to take them to a place where they actually move over into a reprobate mind and a depraved mind and willingly deny Christ and break that seal. One small one time I was watching a man of God that fell, and uh, I was mad about it, and I was upset because I knew his fall would hurt people. And I was getting upset, and I was kind of judging him in my heart. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. It changed my life that day. He said, he said, do you realize you are one decision away from being that man? And I was thinking, how could, I, how could that happen? He said, because it doesn't, it's not just one big decision, but one small decision left unchecked. One small decision left unchecked. So how do we avoid the unpardonable sin? It's easy to get started on the path, but hear this. It's easy to get off that path heading towards blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. The first thing is receive Jesus as your Savior. You must, you got to be empowered. You got to have rights. You got to be in the family of God. Avoid all of the judgment by receiving Jesus as your Savior. Second thing is be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit will empower you to put sin down and get back on the path of God. You must be filled. That's why the devil fights it in people so much. The third thing is stay humble and hungry. 
right? See, a lot of people, they think that they're actually holy, and I would say about 60% of their life is holy. The other 40%, it's very questionable. That's my judgment on, on being a pastor for 12 years. Most people don't, watch this, most people don't know the sin that they're doing because they haven't humbled themselves to the Lord and said, Lord, show me what I'm doing. The truth is they don't want the Lord to shine his light on them. And so if you want, the, the thing about sin is it's deceptive. And the only way to stay out of that deception is to humble yourself and be hungry for more in the Lord. Hunger will drive you to humility. Humility will drive you to hunger. And both of those things will drive you to stay on the path of God and not go the opposite way. Stay hungry and humble. The next thing is this, the fourth thing, how to stay away from blasphemy. All of this is really easy. It's really simple. God will empower you to do it by his Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Here's the fourth thing, repent quickly. <laughs> repent quickly. Let me, let me give this to you in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. One of my favorites, one of my absolute favorite scriptures if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repent quickly. As soon as you figured out one of those small foxes gotten in and you recognize it, change quickly. Repent quickly. Confess quickly. Quickly do that. One time I'll tell you, the Lord had, uh, the Lord told me, he had like four different people that I didn't know walk up to me and say, God is so pleased with you. And I didn't understand it because I'm thinking, I still got stuff I'm working on. I'm not perfect like Jesus. How can he be pleased with me? And here's what he showed me. I was praying on it, praying on it, seeking the Lord on it. Finally, I heard from the Lord on it. He said, the reason I'm, I'm pleased with you is because when you recognize that one of those small foxes or sin has come in, you repent quickly. You change quickly. And you go after it. and You don't leave it there. And I'm so pleased with you. And I went, oh, my goodness. Romans 8.13 says this, that what we should be doing is constantly, by context, constantly be putting to death the deeds of the flesh. As soon as you see a deed of the flesh, ask the Lord to show you that stuff. As soon as you see it, quickly put it, uh, put it away. Repent quickly. The fifth thing, don't stop growing. Don't stop growing. God's so big, you're not going to outgrow him. And if you'll be hungry for growth, then, then that will drive you to put away those small foxes. Find new, new areas that you didn't know were there that had been sin in your life, but you were ignorant of it. Growth, your desire for growth in God will keep you headed towards Him. And the last thing is produce fruit. It's hard to produce fruit when you have sin in your life. And you're never going to be producing fruit when you head all the way over here uh, and, and close to the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. If you've got fruit in your life, it's a good indicator that the root is good, but also by desiring to produce fruit. By desiring to produce fruit, it will keep you headed towards God and keep you away from that. We must learn to esteem God in every way. The fruit that you should be after 
is, and this is esteeming what he told us, the fruit that you should always be after, six places of fruit. The Bible lays out. I don't care what other people tell you. It's got to be, what does the Word tell me is fruit I need to have? And the Word lays it out very clearly. The first fruit that we should have is an intimate fellowship with God and the Son. That's John 17, 3. The, other, the next fruit is we should be winning souls in the Great Commission, Matthew 28 and Mark chapter 16. Winning souls, the third fruit uh, is, so intimate fellowship with God, winning souls. Third fruit, making disciples. Here's one thing about making disciples. How can you teach disciplines of God if you're not walking in them? Okay, If you're not walking in the disciplines of God, and how can you teach them if you haven't grown and studied to show yourself approved? So intimate fellowship with God, winning souls, making disciples, walking in supernatural power like Mark 16 says. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Right? They'll cast out devils. The fifth fruit is walking in a supernatural revelation. They have words of wisdom, words of knowledge. They're in studying the word, and the Holy Ghost is enlightening that word to them. They're walking in supernatural revelation like uh, Peter had, I think it's in Matthew 16, where he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this. He was walking in supernatural revelation. He said, the Holy Spirit has shown you this. And then the last fruit, the sixth one, is walking in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All that whole list, if I missed one. And uh, we want to be walking in that fruit. That's fruit that we need. And if we'll focus on those things, receive Jesus as our Savior, Filled with the Holy Ghost to empower us. Stay humble and hungry. Repent quickly. Don't stop growing. Produce fruit. Let this be a list that you go back to. You know, maybe you don't have this list memorized, but go back to it. Go back to this list and see what God has for you. And you won't even get close to the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost because you'll be walking already in an esteem for the things of God. And God will keep you. He will keep you in that place. You know, He doesn't say that I'm going to keep you and not put a power and a provision to keep you. God will keep you. Don't worry about, about that blasphemy. Don't be sober about it and understand that it's there. But if you will keep yourself pointed towards God, you won't have to ever deal with that. You just keep yourself going and God will empower you to keep yourself going after him. Amen. I hope this has helped you and, and glory to God. Buddy says such a good word. Amen. I'm so glad. And uh, we hope that this has answered a lot of questions for you, relieved you of the condemnation, and it's one that you can share. Share it. There's people that want to know the answer to this question. Need this teaching to get completely free. We love you so very much. Like, share, subscribe. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Barrett as she wraps up. And listen, if you've received something from this message, God is going to put something on your heart that you also sow with that. That is a very common thing. So don't be surprised if you're sitting there saying, I need to give. I need to sow. I'm going to let her lead you into that. I love you. See you next week. Next week we're starting on a completely new series, Stinking Thinking. In other words, things that we think are common and we're walking in, but they've been hurting us. They've been stinking in our life. God wants us free and walking in the fullness of his blessing. We'll start in on that next week. Here's Barrett. I love you. See you then.
Thanks for being on with us today. As we're wrapping up, you know, the word tells us that there's an unspeakable gift that God has made available to us. And as believers, our unspeakable gift is the ability to have seed time and harvest to always increase. Here's why that's important. Right now, this is one of those questions that has kept people in bondage and in fear. And what you just heard was a life-giving word that was produced to create freedom in your life. What I want you to do and what the Lord wants you to do, seek your heart. See if he's speaking to you right now and partner with this word, not necessarily specifically with pastor, partner with the word of God, partner with freedom, invest your seed in the word that is there to produce life inside of you. We get to partner with him in that way. And so if this word, you know, as you've been listening, you're, you've realized I needed some more freedom with this. I've, there's been fear, there's been bondage, but today God delivered me from that. Today I'm walking in a new revelation of how much God truly loves me. That's why we do this so that you can receive the love of God in a brand new way without measure. That's God's desire for you. Take your seed today, pray over it, ask the Lord to reveal to you if he wants you to sow into this, if you've been fed, you should seek him on an amount and then be obedient to that. It's pretty easy. We have all sorts of different ways to give on the screen. Facebook, you can do hashtag donate followed by the dollar amount. You can go to Bitcoin, Cash App. We've got PayPal going on. You can, you can mail us a check. There are a variety of ways. We've made it pretty simple to sow. But all we care about is that you're obedient. If the Lord's saying so, so. Trust him. Let him show you how good he truly is. God, Pastor says it often. God will never ask you for something that doesn't lead you to an opportunity to increase. And that's what this time is too. As the Lord's speaking to you, as you're sowing, I see these seeds coming in right now. Praise God. Praise God, Marky. Praise God, Miss Janet. What a good day. God's a good God. And we're going to have more people sow over time. I just want to pray over your seed right now. Father, thank you. Thank you for people who partner with you. Thank you for people who hear your voice and follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we thank you that every person who's sowing, they're a cheerful giver. They're a ridiculously happy giver, Lord. They're honored to partner with you. Lord, today, in the name of Jesus, we ask that this seed be blessed in Jesus' name. We call it blessed. May it be pressed down, shaken together, running over. Over. May it return back to them, Lord, quickly, 30, 60, 100 fold, God. Let it return back to them quick, supernaturally, Lord. Let them see how big and how powerful and how much you truly love them. In Jesus' name, amen. This just in. We're going to pray again. As you have been listening to this. We don't want to wrap this broadcast up without giving you the opportunity to pray and to come and know how good God truly is. He's not a God of condemnation. He's not a God who is without the ability to forgive. He's a forgiving God, a saving God. And if today's message ministered to you, everybody, no matter where you are, let's just commit fresh today. Wipe the slate clean. And let's come before his throne of grace and allow him to wash us with the water of the word, with his love, with the blood of the lamb. And today, no matter who you are, how good it's been, 
Today's getting better. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you for every person watching. We thank you, Lord, for the lives that they represent. Generations are represented here today on this broadcast. Just say this with me and say, Father, today I commit myself fresh to you. Jesus, I confess that I have messed up in the past. I have not always lived a perfect life. But today, I believe that you are my savior. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you loved me so much that your love for me took you to death, hell, and the grave. And I believe today that you rose again. I believe that when you rose, I was raised up with you. The old me is left in the grave and the new me, the spirit me, the resurrected version of myself. Lord, I'm alive in you. I'm alive in you. Just say that out loud. Put that in the comments. Jesus, I'm alive in you. I believe that you have made me to be righteous. Jesus, cleanse my mind, remove all fear, remove all doubt. My sins are forgiven and I believe that. Jesus today, and say this with me, baptize me fresh with the Holy Ghost and with fire and with power so that I can live the way you want me to live. Amen. And just like that, you're made new. What a good way to end the broadcast. No matter how good it was, it's getting better right now. Right now, everything's changed. Everything's cleaned. Everything's forgiven. If you meant that with faith, it's a new day. It's a new moment. And we love you so much. Thanks for being on. If you prayed that prayer today, if today that prayer meant something to you, you can tell it's a new day for me. Then what we want you to do is we want you to reach out on our Facebook page or you can go to whatsright.com and send us a message. We want to send you tools that will help you as you're getting started. We want to pray with you and believe with you. So today you prayed that and it meant something special. Please do that so that way we can get in touch with you. That all being said, thanks for being on today with us this Friday. We love you. Next week, guys, next week starts Pastor Brian's new series, Stinkin' Thinkin'. It's going to be such a good one. Actually, this is a message. This was the first message I ever heard Pastor preach when I moved here. He had started this series. This is the first series I ever heard. And it's one that will change your life. Make sure to be here starting Monday right at 1130. We're going to be back with all brand new episodes. Like this broadcast. Share this broadcast. And we're going to be back on Monday at 1130 a.m. We love you. Have a blessed weekend. And we'll see you then.
Actually, what we wanted to do is uh, actually do a little bit of editing here live, so if you're still with us, you get the bonus round. Uh, but uh, anyway, we're going to eventually cut this portion off here. But I wanted to join a prayer for everybody that was listening uh, to this, and so we're going to cut into that in just a second. I'm going to give them here a cut point, but you get to see this happen live. Amen. So now as we've talked about this unpardonable sin and the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, and you're sitting there saying, you know what, I need to get back on track with God today, or I need to get on track with him and get in his family. And like we talked about yesterday, there are so many benefits to being in the family of God. You have an inheritance. You have a relationship with him, and you get to spend an eternity with him. It's so much better, and it's free. Today, if you're wanting to meet and be a part of the family of God, receive Jesus as your Savior for the first time, or you're just saying, you know what, I, I need to get back on track. I need to ask the Lord to forgive me for some of those small foxes. If that's you right now, then let's pray together and let's step into it right now. So just pray this with me. Mean it with your heart. Just say, Jesus, today I ask you to forgive me. I ask you, Lord... And I confess you as Lord of my life. I ask you to be my Savior. Save me. I repent. I will not walk in that old way again. I confess anything that I might have done. And I ask you to forgive me. And I believe that I have received that forgiveness. I believe that God did not leave you in the place of death where my sin took you. But God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, raised you up. And Lord, you didn't leave me in that place of death either. You, by the Holy Spirit, raised me up with you in heavenly places. Jesus baptized me with the Holy Spirit and with fire to live like you, to be on your path and to go after you. And Lord, I receive all the fullness of my inheritance that you paid for right now. Healing, prosperity, protection, deliverance, restoration, Lord, and your intimate fellowship. I have it now. I'm not waiting on it. And I thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Now take that, run with it, go after God with everything in your life. If you prayed that prayer, it really meant something to you. Go to whatsright.com and let us know. Send us a message. We want to hear from you. We want to know, hey, I, I rededicated today. I made a fresh commitment to the Lord or I accepted Jesus for the first time. Let us know. We want to be there for you. We want to pray with you. We want to be a resource for you as you go forward in this journey, this journey which is going to be awesome. And don't you don't have to sit there and be worried about that unpardonable sin anymore. Jesus is going to help you. You, don't, you can actually help other people to know what it is and send them this broadcast share it with them look get the link send it directly to them so they don't even have to go go find it we love you so very very much and uh, as always this broadcast is given into the world if you want to be a part of getting this good news out there you can do that you can partner with us simply by sharing the video by liking the channel by subscribing right you can actually partner with us in that way but you can also partner with us by giving and sowing and so you can do that they're going to put those things up on the screen you can go to give www.org uh, cash app you can do cash tag you have to put the cash tag in there give www on facebook you can type in hashtag donate followed by the amount or you can go to give www.org and see uh, how to give on a regular basis and partner with us you can also text to give uh, paypal and even bitcoin those instructions are on the screen but here's what we do everybody that's giving Lord, we just ask that you would bless it. Thank you, Father, for blessing them. Every seed that they sow, they're planting finances, they're planting resources into the kingdom of God. Lord, bless it. Multiply it. Return it into their lives. Father, do what your word promises. Give them an abundance to do every good work that you're calling them to. Lord, they'll do more work because they flow in that abundance. Give them the power to get wealth so that your covenant might be established in Jesus' name. Thank you, and Father, add no sorrow to it. Let them walk in joy. Let them walk in peace. Let them walk in your mercy, and let them be blessed in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. I hope this whole broadcast has been such a blessing to you. We love you so very much. I'll see you next week. We're going into a great series called Stinking Thinking, and uh, here's Barrett to wrap it up. We love you. Have a great day. Welcome to the family of God, or welcome back to that full walk heading fully after God as you prayed that prayer with us today. We love you so very much. God wants you to have an overflowing life. That's what you have today. Amen. Love you. Thanks for being on with us today. Congratulations for praying and being made new and just the best day you've had yet. This is the best day of the rest. Like this just kicks it off. The best day thus far and it's just going to get brighter and brighter and brighter better and better and better because that's how god works he's awesome and congratulations welcome thanks for being in my family i love y'all as you go about this weekend if you are looking for a place to call home church welcome to boomerang we'd love to have you come and be with us here at 10 a.m sunday morning and for those of you that can't get here be back online, 11.30 a.m. Monday. We're going to have a brand new episode of Lunch Plus. We love you. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday.